Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We tend to talk about all things animation quite deliriously. Today we will be discussing the newest Dr. Seuss adaptation. Netflix's Green Eggs and Ham will be the subject of today's contemplation. I am Sam, Sam I am, and here is who is joining me for today's program. Alex Bonilla. Hello. And Michelle Anderer. Hey. Don't worry, everyone. I'm almost done being an in theme panderer. You can find out more about us at OverlyAnimated.com and subscribe to us if our podcasts keep you calm. Look up Overly Animated on your favorite podcast app or go to YouTube.com slash Overly Animated if you have a computer in your lap. With that out of the way, let's get to everyone's initial reactions. Alex, the green eggs and ham give you satisfaction. It did. I can't rhyme, so <laughs> I prepared uh, that. It's okay. I wrote that, like, last night, and I was like, Dylan, can I do this? He was like, sure. It's great. That was wonderful. Yeah. So, um, Green Eggs and Ham. It's a show that I was... I saw, and I was like, huh, I don't care about Dr. Seuss. Should I care about this? Aww. I saw a good... Well, I mean, like, I, I grew up in a very deprived childhood where I did not read these kind of uh, sim- simple books. I, don't, I, I was a, 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 as a child, I was very anti-fun. So this is just not my, not my deal. Um, so uh, so I was not intrigued by it at first, but I began hearing good reviews about it. So I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. And I will say, for a show that's based upon such a very uh, a book that really has, as far as I know, no real storyline, they they managed to pack an interesting story into this into this bots. Um, the characters you uh, you get to know them pretty well, and uh, I I think that they do well in giving both of the main characters um, something to latch onto and make you care about them over the course of the show i'll say that um this episode this uh, I, I mean we're, i'm gonna try not going to too much spoilers of these opening statements but i will say that this is one of the most successful instances of a show lulling you into a sense of security so that when a certain twist happens it feels very unexpected because it's not the kind of show that you would expect to do a twist so i think that the Many shows try that, where they try to like make you feel like everything's happy-go-lucky, you know, da 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 da. But and then like something, something out of the ordinary happens, and you're surprised by it. I think that this show is one of the best examples of that happening in a show I've watched. So in that sense, I, I really enjoyed that the show was able to do that for me. And uh, overall, I think it was it was a, it was a fun ride. Um, there's other stuff that it, once you get deep, like, once you get deeper in, we can nitpick. But overall, I think it was a pleasurable experience to uh, watch uh, watch these episodes. Yeah, it was pretty pleasurable. I agree. Michelle, what do you what did you think? I also found it pleasurable. I like Alex. I this trailer kind of popped up on my feed in Netflix one day, and I was like, "Oh, this wh- really? They they chose this book to make a thing? That's an odd choice." Because yeah, there's not really a lot of plot. It's just a lot of rhyming and a lot of like. But would you eat it in this specific location? What about this specific location? So having said that, like this has some of the nicest animation I've seen for a 2D show in a long time. 
it's so smooth and everyone's super expressive and it, it honestly reminds me of that initial um how the grinch stole christmas short film back from like what the, the 60s the 70s um it, it very much gave me that kind of vibe this just i'm super impressed on a technical level with the show i found a lot of the voice acting very fun um, I was into it. I was digging it. I was digging the characters. I like all the main characters. I um, I have like a lot of feelings about something, but like I'm gonna save it for later. Um, I in general, I, I think this is like a, a pretty solid show, and especially for I I don't know what the target age like demographic is. But whatever it is, like, they do a lot to give you some, like, legit conversations about hard topics. And it's it's kind of refreshing to see that, too, on top of just, like, a fairly, like, hijinksy, fun plot. Um, and I agree with Alex about the, like, lulling you into a sense of security before being, like, surprise! Everything you thought was a lie, how does it feel? And um, the the narrator rhyming all the time and breaking the fourth wall a lot, I also enjoyed. It was, it was a good time. Yeah, I I liked it a lot. Yeah, um, I wasn't going into it expecting to like it because I think the first look at it, I got something like Alana Glazer like posting something to her Instagram, like saying, "Oh yeah, I'm in this new Green Eggs and Hand adaptation." I'm like, uh, I don't know if it's gonna be like that hot, but you know. <laughs> Brunette and Ham being, like, the book, being, like, a integral part of my childhood. I think it was the first yes. book I ever learned how to read, obviously, because my name is Sam. Aww. Yes, um, Sam, yes! Uh, it was, like, this integral part of my childhood, and, like, it's always been my personal favorite Dr. Seuss book. And I was like, well, you know, like, those books don't really have a ton of substance other than, you know, the rhyming and, like, the imaginative imaginative aspect to them. So I'm not sure where this is going to go, if it's just going to be, like, a straight, like, oh, we're just going to be, like, eating green eggs and ham with a fox. Is it going to be, like, more short form, like, 10-minute episodes? Are they just going to do, I don't know, like, six episodes? Like, what is this going to be? And one night, like, last week and a half, something like that, I was like, okay, I'll sit down and give this a try. I wasn't super won over, I think, until maybe the third or fourth episode when, like, it got into a lot of really deep stuff. And I felt surprised. I was like, this just seemed like a silly show that was more aimed aimed towards children, but there is actually a lot of good theming here. And, you know, who's to say that, you know, things that kids can latch on to in terms of theming, in terms of, like, interpersonal relationships, in terms of, you know, lessons on how to be a good person, who's to say that adults can't use that, too? And that's something I really liked about this show. I liked how there's a lesson for everybody here, no matter what your age is or what kind of person you are. And I thought that was beautiful. And, like, I didn't expect that for this Dr. Seuss adaptation of a show. <laughs> Not to say that those are usually bad or, like, that's that has no substance, but I just was completely not expecting it. And it kind of blew me away. I really liked it. And I don't know. It's just really good. Really good show, I think. So one of the things that I want to talk about are just Dr. Seuss adaptations on the whole. Uh, There haven't been a ton of good ones lately. 
Uh, Alex, where, like, how many have you seen in terms of like adaptations, animated, live action? Where do you think that Green Eggs and Ham holds up to that? And like, is it fair to compare that to like things that was happening like 15 years ago? Well, I'm aware of the Grinch Who Stole Christmas adaptations of the animated and live action with Jim Carrey. Uh, I'm also aware that Horton Hears a Who had a CGI movie at some point this century. <laughs> um, didn't, didn't We got mixed reviews. Also starring um, Jim Carrey, I think. Oh, did that all? Yeah, it did. He was wow. the elephant thing. I mean, um... to be fair... He is the the Dr. Seussiest of our actors. I mean, that that <laughs> Dr. Eggman in Sonic the Hedgehog is totally a Dr. Seuss character. Like, down to the roundness of him, you know. But anyways, um, with, like, adaptations of Dr. Seuss, like, again, I was not much of a reader, but I know the general vibe of Dr. Seuss is very surrealistic-looking creatures, rhymes, not uh, stories that don't require much complexity to follow. So because there's not much framework to to work with, I think that the adaptations have a, a high ceiling and a low floor where like it could be really good and it could be really bad because you have a lot of flexibility given given how little of it there is. Um, one thing I will say with regards like what what my view of Dr. Seuss is versus this show. Uh, the look of this show, I mean, it's colorful, but uh, like the creatures themselves don't really deviate that, that much, at least from what I saw. Like, uh, you know, all the characters that have the similar furry looking vibe. Like, I, I, I mean, also like the Lorats is another thing where like you got like weird looking creatures going on. Um, I expected this to be a bit more surreal than it ended up being. Like, there's that one scene where they're in the desert and he started hallucinating. And, that was like, weird. And stuff. All of I didn't that, like that. Right. And that's kind of what more of the vibe I was expecting from an animated Dr. Seuss adaptation in 2019. Like, go to dive deep into the weirdness of Dr. Seuss illustrations. But they keep it pretty grounded, and maybe that's to its benefit, and maybe that's part of why this uh, appeals to mainstream, is that it looks pretty close to your average animated show today. Like, it doesn't go totally out there. And maybe that's a good thing. But I, I was expecting something a bit more surreal out of this. Hmm. Michelle, what do you think? Um, uh, I'm trying to. Th- it's like I'm. I'm aware of the Lorax. Have not seen it. Um, I have seen the Cat and Hat. Yeah. Unfortunately, I have seen Jim Carrey's Grinch. I haven't seen the new animated Grinch. Oh. Um, <laughs> but you know the the ancient one from the 70s or whenever I have seen that. That's about it. Um, this is honestly, I think, probably the best thing since the original Grinch short. And I I think that's fair to say, just because, like, again, like, when you see, like, a little trailer for this on Netflix, like, if you are aware of the book and it is a big nostalgia thing for you, I feel like your first thought's probably something like, what like why why would you do this is this for money like is this why anyone does dr seuss anymore you just like you'll do anything now but then like when you get halfway through the show it's just like it's crazy how much time they put into like all these characters like you have the bad guys which are amazing you have Michelle and her daughter, which are great. And you have Guy and Sam and their relationship. And all of them kind of 
are like they they mix into each other but they're also like their own separate subcategories of plot lines of like the show and there's a very clear like beginning middle and end sort of even though the show like there might be a season two but just like this show feels like it was very carefully thought out and a lot of really smart people were brought on to make it and they're like yo we're going to do everything we want with this show. It is going to be so good, and we're going to pour our hearts into it. And I think you can always tell when that kind of passion and, and care and thoughtfulness is put into something like this, because this could have been, like, a Lorax. A, a long show that was just, like, there to make money and be terrible and didn't, like, care about Dr. Seuss. And I feel like they honestly did. Like, they, there's so many, like, silly words they use that feel like Dr. Seuss words. And, like, the stylization of all of the towns and the characters and the names are really good. I think it's a good blend between, like, like Alex is saying, like, rounding it so it's not hard to follow. Especially if you're a child, you want to be aware of the main points of a story so you can be invested in it. But it, it gets silly in, at moments where it makes sense in the plot. And that's good, too, because, like, in animation, you should be able to get a little crazy and weird. That's a benefit of the medium. So, like, honestly, I think this is, like, a really good show. And I have a few nitpicks, but, like, they're very minor because this is just a kind of show it seems like you can watch and just have a fun time and enjoy the drama because there's actual drama, too, which is, like, a nice surprise. I like uh, it. I think it's solid. And uh, speaking to the thoughtfulness angle, like, comparing this, which deals with, like, mature topics like uh, relationships, uh, how, how friendships are, are are made and, like, parenting and stuff, compare that to something like the movie adaptation of The Lorats, which just goes all in beating you in the head with the environmental angle and doesn't really provide any extra spin on no it. No solution really... either! Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, there, it's a very one-note situation, whereas here I think they're covering a bunch of different angles. And I think the success of the original Grinch, I don't remember much about the movie, but, like, the, orig the original Grinch short to the animated, I think part of the reason that that's still in the consciousness is, like, there's an emotional connection there, too, to, like, oh, the, this uh, Grinch person who's been isolated has ends up feeling for the, the little girl and for his actions, you know? So th there's an emotional connection there, something personal, as opposed to, like, a, a very overarching moral that doesn't really uh, impact you on a daily basis. So I think that that's also a key part of adapting a Dr. Seuss, because I, I get the sense that a lot of Dr. Seuss's stuff was uh, was done with eventually getting to a particular moral yeah, so like yeah. so so in order to make a successful one you need to like add some layers to it and i think that green eggs and ham is successful in doing that and keeping it at a personal level thus allowing you to care about the characters in the story which is something that you need to do if you're going to build build on the framework that he provides in in the in the rhyming books I feel like one thing that this show does really well is that it, it has a lot of humor, but it also, it, it's not trying to talk down to kids and it's not trying to guess what kids want, which is, I, th I think, I think that even like the Jim Carrey Grinch kind of fell into a moment. It just like went for the lowest form of humor possible. And that's like, it's just not, it's a little funny. And Cat in the Hat just takes it to, like, a horribly extreme place. And Lorax just feels so, like, everything I know about it, I haven't sat through the whole thing myself. But I know enough about it to know that it is just, like, full of these terrible pop songs and, like, 
the environmentalist message doesn't really shine through super well and it doesn't give you a lot of things to actually do with that. And the thing about Dr. Seuss is like, those books are really short, but they all have a moral. The moral of the cat in the hat was like, it's it's nice to play sometimes, but you also have to like clean up afterwards. And like, there's a balance. Green Eggs and Ham was always about like, you might think you really hate something, but that's, you know, you might not have ever tried it. And trying new things can be really rewarding. And The Grinch was all about like, Look, it's not like the the commercialization of Christmas is is a real thing, but that's not the most important thing. Community is the most important thing. And so, yeah, it, I think if there is going to be successful adaptations, they have to find a way to kind of authentic like authenticize those morals in a way that like feels sincere and not terrible. And I feel like that's one of the things this show really shines at. It feels very sincere with everything it's trying to talk about. I kind of, I find it surprising how sincere and, like, earnest it is, given, yeah. like, who's behind it. Like, Ellen DeGeneres is one of the executive producers. Mm-hmm. And, I, I snickered when I saw that. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember seeing that, I was like, huh. Because, um, Ellen these days isn't quite known for her, uh, grit and realness, I would say. Um, and not known for being anything less than saccharine and overly uh consumable to like middle america and when i first like clicked on it like i heard the theme song which is like rivers cuomo from a weezer i was like oh my god i love that you know what that is from i had no idea weezer bad i won't okay i won't say the weezer's bad weezer is okay i will say weezer is okay what's wrong with them they're like they like go for this old timey shtick that's really all right well annoying. that's like well, that's harmless nowadays. that's okay they, yeah. they they've been like from i would say weezer from like 1994 to maybe 2001 ish they were fine nowadays like i agree they do have this like polished clean like nothing discernible about them sound but you know, they were okay at one point. But this theme song kind of was like, this is the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> um, not obviously not the worst thing ever, but I'm, I'm honestly to go on a tangent, not a fan of like the Netflix animated theme songs thus far. Like sh- I don't, I think she goes is really bad. Um, it's okay. Yeah, hot takes on a theme song. No, I, I, I agree with you, Sam. <laughs> And this one is. I like the green eggs and have things off too because it just seems like something I'd enjoy if I was a child. It's just it's it's airless and upbeat and like that's exactly the mood I want to be in. Honestly, I guess so. So I I think it's fine. But I I understand not being into it. If it's your cup of of tea, it's your cup of tea. But yeah, I don't personally like tea that much. So that's how I feel about this. But. As I was saying, like, that was kind of like a, oh, I'm kind of weary about this because those things, like, those elements together, it's like, well, is this gonna go into, like, anything deeper than a bunch of jokes that aren't really that funny and just, like, a bunch of nothingness? Which, you know, the original theme of the book, I think, now I'm not a, a literary major, I can't say exactly what Dr. Seuss is going for, but I think it's about trying new things. <laughs> yes. Um, or, like, accepting change or something like that. Uh, I didn't know how well that was going to be reflected, and I was actually pleasantly surprised 
at the different aspects of change and like accepting it that were portrayed in this. Like, you know, you have Michelle who changed her whole entire life for the safety of her child, but wants to change back because, you know, it's not helping anybody. Or Guy, who he thinks is a failure, but really needs to accept that, you know, just because this one thing wasn't working for him doesn't mean that, like, he can't dig himself out with his friends. Or Sam I Am, who is just, like, the bastion of change, and he just keeps trying green eggs and ham, and it's fine. Michelle, you talked about nitpicks. What are they? I... Oh no, I I do not think I should go there yet Jump. because it's a very specific nitpick, but it's very big. Well, well, Wait. why not? Like, I feel like we've just been heaping praise and like pleasant expectation. Well, not pleasant, but like pleasantly surprised at the show. Like vibes. I want to hear something that like you didn't like about it. Oh boy. Okay. Oh, well, you want, you want me to go first, Michelle? No, I'll just do oh, it. Okay. Um. So I think. One thing this show was very successful at is having a, a, a lot of these characters like emoting and feeling things very strongly and having these very deep bonds formed through their whirlwind adventures across the Seuss land. Um, and honestly, I was kind of shocked at myself because this has not happened in a long time. Probably not since, like, Lord of the Rings, honestly. But, like, I, I started shipping Kai and Sam so hard. <laughs> and it kind of... It, it broke me that they weren't together. I mean, I could see it. I could see because it. Because the amount of times they stare lovingly at each other's faces, like, deep into each other's eyes. Like, Sam even has a line on the train where he's looking at Guy and he's like, I just saw your soul. And it's like, oh my god, this feels so real. And, like, I just wanted them. They make such an odd couple. And well, I'm always one for an odd couple. I, I, have, I have a moment for you. So, like, he slides, like, when they're in the police interrogation. Spoilers yeah. for the hand, by the way. Uh, when they're at, like, one of the police interrogations, he, like, sneaks into Guy's interrogation room and he slides down the trickeraf's neck and is like in the camera and uh, he says there's my boo while looking at guy he says stuff like that all the time and it's it like i was i kept being like you know what michelle like i think she's wonderful she's a good mom she's a great person like i can understand why she likes guy i get it but like sam like bore his soul secret about his mom to guy they have bonded like farther because they've had more time together they have something deeper going on and i just feel like maybe one day it'd be nice for guy and sam to have their moment in the sun and to settle down together and raise their exotic pets that they saved from the zoo you know so that's honestly my biggest nitpick. I understand there was very little chance that was ever going to happen in the show. But like, I fell in love with them. And I fell in love with them being together. And I loved it so much it kind of hurt me anytime something hetero would happen between Guy and Michelle. Because well, my heart was somewhere else already. It had been stolen away. I mean, that's Sam valid, vibes. Yeah, they, That's valid. I mean, why, and, why is it even if it... Even if it is, like, a quote-unquote family thing, why do we have to have, like, a straight romance all the time? Like, why can't it be, like, oh, these two dudes, like, come together through odd circumstances and they learn to love each other and they learn to be together and they fall in love? Why can't it be like that? They absolutely do love each other and I feel like they've expressed that as good as they could given where this wanted to go with them. 
But I, I'm just saying, like, if they ever want to push it a step further, I'm here. My arms are open. I'm ready to embrace the canon ship of Guy and Sam. But, like, I'll, I will make my peace with it since it's probably not going to happen. I mean, and there was... Okay. Oh. There was but, a tease for season yeah. two, so like there was I... a tease. If they do that adventure alone, maybe like you know, a little thing. Like honestly, I was I was feeling these ships since like episode two because I'm like, oh man, they're they're like dads, and this is their baby pet, and they're naming it Guy Junior. It's perfect. And then when it got to the family episode, when they see Guy's family, I'm like, oh my god, Sam's meeting his parents. Like this feels so legit. But like in the back of my head, I knew that. It wasn't gonna be, but like there was just so many moments that felt so significant, and, and and they just count the times, guys. Count the times in this show. They stare at each other's eyes very deeply and smile, mm. and it's a lingering look because it's more than five. Like I'll tell you that it's a lot of times. I'll uh, I'll, re- I'll rewatch it a third time, and I will get back to you. Okay. Uh, okay. Can I ask? Um, have either of you watched Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? No. Yeah, that's like an old. That's an old Disney movie, right? Well, no? it, it, it's John Candy and Steve Martin oh, in a buddy God. trip comedy where they're stuck together. They're an odd couple type, and they're stuck riding planes together, riding trains together, stuck in a car together. I think they sleep in a hotel room together, and it ends with like a, a Steve Martin warming up to John Candy and inviting him to his family for Thanksgiving and all. And I I bring that up because like that's kind of the relationship that i that i got between uh, sam and guy for for most of this although i will say like if i if i watch i watched that movie a long time ago if i watch it today i think that there is a chance like i might be wanting to ship those characters because they're like it's such close together they complement each other really well so like i can totally see where michelle's coming from in terms of like two people being stuck together and like one not wanting to separate themselves from the other and the other begrudgingly like uh, get, getting to be comfortable with them that's a classic ship dynamic so like uh, it, yeah, i mean it's it's more like i haven't felt this way a long time and we have things like you know emperor's new groove with kronk and Cusco, very similar dynamic absolutely do not ship them i think part of what makes this feel more legit is that earnestness like it's there the whole show and it's especially there with guy and sam because they are the central relationship in the whole thing it's following their journey and and that's like like an extra layer to it that just makes it feel like oh this is really special though they're really important to each other they're like they're being real and they're learning things and it's hard but they trust each other and it's just it's just really good i don't don't know how to explain it but like it really got to me this time Another key part is that they both feel al- alone in the world, and so they no, find their their their, their, yeah. mi- their their missing part. You know that they, oh, they never had. It got... That's like, oh my god, that is the thing that like so many poems and and romantic songs are built on. <laughs> is that very thing? And they found it in each other. That they did. Yeah. Michelle, I feel like that wasn't really a nitpick. <laughs> Well, it's a, it's a nitpick in that it just it didn't end up the way that she was hoping. I know it's not something that I think is fair to to request a change on, but it is like the one thing I will remember a little sadly. <laughs> I honestly don't think I have any actual nitpicks. All the show was great. I just, so the show I just was it was perfect. Up. It was it was great. Yeah. 
Well, along the lines of, of two hetero, I do think it is kind of a nitpick that we do that we follow this storyline of them falling in love, um, guy and Michelle. Like I don't know, we, yeah. we were we had a we had yeah. a good thing going with the guy and Sam getting their friendship together. So like, did we need to? Add, I mean, like Eb is a very good piece of this show, and so for that for that alone, it's good that Michelle is in this show. But the the connection between her and Guy is it feels a little bit superfluous. I think they handle it well enough that it doesn't feel annoying. But it's just like I, I, we 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 it, it falls very common and predictable beats. Like a guy looks like he's lying, so that she falls out of love. But then they make it's up. Like it's twice like, though. By the second time, right. I was a little like, oh come on, come on. Right. So like I think that it could have been done a little bit more interestingly than it was. So it was like in that sense, I, I could see that being a little bit of a nitpick, especially like for, for the record, like these are all half-hour episodes and like actually like thirty-minute long episodes. So like by the time you're getting to the second half, like I, I think that you need to save a little bit of time there. Yeah. I will say when he when he like. Uh doesn't exactly lie, but doesn't tell Michelle the truth about the goat. I was kind of like, guy, this is like not a good stretch. <laughs> She's going to be really mad when she finds out. And they do have like a, a productive discussion about it later, but it's just like, that's like one of the tropes I hate the most, especially when it's a person who's like, oh no, I, I have to protect them. So I'll tell them nothing so they won't be able to prepare themselves or help. And they'll have no idea it's a problem, which is like the opposite of being safe, honestly. But I guess that turned out fine. But I was not loving that for sure. Yeah, I think that that relationship between Guy and Michelle, it was like, I don't want to say it was soulless. I think that's a little bit mean. (laughs) But like, all right, I'm not a straight mom, single mom who's like, my husband died. That's not my situation in life. But to me, it just looked like, oh, she saw that guy was, like, for lack of a better word, like, a good guy, and he could be, like, a good dad, and mm, was, like, yeah. not, well, maybe not morally upstanding all the time, obviously. But he had, like, potential, and I think that's something that most attracted her to him, at least how I remember it, upon watching and rewatch. Like, they're, like... I don't know. I just didn't feel like there was chemistry there. And honestly, does there need to be chemistry in a show like this between what is essentially like two Muppets? Like, no. So it's... (laughs) Well, look, there has been... uh, The Muppet and Miss Piggy... The uh, Kermit and Miss Piggy relationship has been developed through the years with much nuance. So you can't... Oh my god! But but I'll I'll say as well, like, I I agree with that notion, like, she's looking at it like, oh, well, he'll be a good dad, because it feels like a turning point is when, when uh, Sam brings up like, oh, hey, you can get in through her, her daughter, and then like, they have this, this whole, this whole adventure they have together, and that wins her, her over. So like, that, that. That part does feel a bit, you know, shallow, and uh, um, because I think that overall, Michelle's character, they do do interesting stuff with her. Like she, she, at the end, they reveal that she used to be an artist. 
she yeah. kind of gave it up to be a mother, but she's kind of, but she's happy with her life. And she like, but over the course, she like learn learns that maybe her parenting has been a bit overprotective. So I think that they fill her out as a character pretty well. Um, I'll say with Guy, like a small, another nitpick here is that if you like try to condense this character, it's like the guy who's given up on life is inventive. Otherwise, I don't think he has that much personality. Like, the reason he's interesting is because of his relationship to Sam, <coughs> not of himself being interesting. And so that kind of also makes you wonder, like, what does Michelle actually see in, in Guy? It's like, oh, hmm, something's going on. Something might happen here. Like, there's not, there's not enough that they do for Guy on his own that makes me buy into him. I thought boring. the same thing, but then I had this voice in the back of my head, Alex. I was like, well, Sam really likes him, though, so there has to be a good reason, probably. Mm. Because <laughs> Sam seems to think I has lots of potential. So maybe well, Michelle is okay. him. Like, we, we don't get a ton of explanation for why they, they assume this, but they're both feeling it for some reason. Right, that, that kind of goes against how Michelle initially reacts towards it. Like, no, this dude has no potential. He's washed. And we never really see her turn turn the tide on that kind of thought. Well, they have the night in the quiet car. They had they fun. Do night in the quiet. Oh, that's true. They they bonded over wanting to get their work done and being serious people. And then they both learned to kind of let loose, which they, they both like about <laughs> each other, too. I will say... The, the second that she came back after being in the initial episode when he was testing out his invention, my my heart did freeze because I, I immediately, and this is like no one's fault, but I was like, oh no, she's a, a youngish woman and she's come back in the show. Is she going to hook up with one of them? And I was so scared. And then and then the train episode happened. I was like, oh yeah, okay. It's the, it's the <laughs> it's trope's not, fault. It's the trope's it's fault. fault. It's fine, TM. So, okay, we've been talking about characters. Do you guys have, like, any favorite characters? Least favorite characters? Who is it that holds your heart in the show, Alex? Um, I had fun with the bad guys. Um, especially... Like, um, uh, well, no, oh, no, not him. Bad, right? the, the... Bad. Guys. <laughs> yeah. what the bad guys yeah. are actually good guys yeah. uh, like uh, Gl- Glunts is the excited uh, lady right yeah. uh, she, she's she, she's fun um I, I think that she has a lot of good lines and um she she and uh, McWinkle are bounce off of each other really well uh, so I, I I enjoyed whenever they they appeared in here and you know they they've got their side thing going on of chasing down the the actual bad guys and that's not revealed till the end so like they do a really good job of 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 obscuring that until really late in the show but still keeping them they were they were likable all the way through so i i, I really enjoyed their contribution i have to i have i have a question not really like a question for you, just like a question in general. So, Alex, did you? Well, I do have a question for you. Did you? Uh, did you watch it with subtitles on? I did. I think I did. Also. Okay, because like I feel like the whole like tw- well, I don't know if it would be a twist that they weren't actually like the bad guys of the show was ruined by the subtitles because bad guys was always capitalized. Yeah, oh, I was I, I kept waiting for that other shoe to drop because of the subtitles. Damn, noticed. Yes, yeah, Sam, you're so smart. Oh, okay, I'm not that smart. <laughs> All right, keep keep going. I'm sorry to interrupt. 
No, I, I think that that's pretty much all I had. Like, they're, they're not they're not really deep characters. I mean, McWinkle, you get, like, the turn of the end where, where he bonds because it's, like, oh, your last job, it's my last job. So then, like, it reveals that he has a second side to him besides Grumpy. But, like, overall, I think that, the, like, for being relatively one-note characters, they're funny and they don't overstay their welcome. So they're, they did a good job. Good, I'm glad. Michelle... What about you? Who did you feel close to or hate? I honestly just really liked Sam. I really liked Gluns, and I really liked Evie. They were my top three. And I'll just say, I I am very appreciative of Gluns as a character because that's I I feel like with like those kind of detective, like you usually have like the jaded old cop and the rookie, and the and the rookie tends to, to not all like usually be a girl. And she, like Alex said, she had so many good lines, and she was so funny in a way that I don't see a lot of girl characters being. And I just, like, really appreciate her for that. Like, it was just, like, refreshing to see her in that capacity. Evie is just so, she's, like, Evie's a real person. Some people don't know how to write children, and so they just write them really, like, patronizingly stupid with really terrible, like, baby dialogue. But or Evie's overly like, intelligent. Or overly intelligent. It's just like a brain child, six-year-old. It's like, what? Evie's a perfect balance of like an actual child who is smart, but is also still kind of unsure of certain things. And she has a very understandable struggle of like wanting to do fun stuff, probably more than extra because her mom has a tighter grip on her than most parents do, which leads her to want to be more adventurous than the average kid. She was such a good funny smart character the whole show and she was definitely a standout i think and sam just like has so much good vibe energy his kind of optimism is literally like my brand there's a part when the guy's <laughs> like i like i'm such a failure i i fail at everything and sam's like well that's one thing you can be the best at and i was like oh my god sam that's literally what i'd say to a friend if they we're feeling down. At least you can be the best at failing. But I mean, Sam's wonderful, and he, like, he has like he has his own stuff going on. Clearly, <coughs> and there's very big twists involving him. But that's part of what makes him interesting. And not even knowing that stuff, I think his his whole energy is just like very attractive and fun. And no wonder everyone immediately kind of vibes with him, even if they don't want to like go to his trailer house oh, and yeah, hang out after. That made me feel really sad, sad that he didn't really, really actually sad. have any friends. Yeah, like, that's very, like, that, you can empathize with Sam, like, because Sam's not just, like, fun for the sake of being fun. Like, there's a lot of reasons, and that's, like, what makes it really interesting. So I think he's honestly a really good character, too. Yeah, this is a, a, this is a strange comparison, but this, the, the way Michelle described it, is it very similar to Todd from BoJack Horseman? Because, no, like, he he's, isn't. like... No! He's, like, very fun-loving, doesn't... But, like, in, if you, like, really dig deep, he's got some personal issues, but, like, overall, everybody likes him. He fails upwards all the time. No. Like, that, that, feel, that feels like the Sam vibe I got in this show. Disagree. I feel like Sam might try harder, honestly, than Todd does. I feel like for Sam, like, it might be, like, a constant daily struggle, battle to be as optimistic as he is and to believe that things are gonna be okay, whereas Todd I think just kind of like goes through the motions for the most part and, and notices when things are going well. I was like, oh, that's nice. Like, okay, we'll, we'll see what happens now. I feel like Sam has to work harder to make that feel effortless, if that makes sense. 
Okay. Yes. And that's Sam. interesting because I, I definitely got the sense that this was not a struggle for him. <laughs> like, I just got the sense that this is all very natural. Like, he's just no. always like this. No, because like, think about like when when the big reveal about his his family comes like he spent that whole like that whole episode leading up to being like wow your family's really great they really love you you should give them a chance like he's pushing for nothing but the best for guy but once he lets the wall stand on his own family it's like yo this is like really serious and like he's he after that he's like not that happy for the majority of the last episodes i think that's like because he's like at a place where like he's he's willing to kind of feel how he really feels about all that stuff instead of pretending it's fine like he straight up lied about all of it and, and was telling like all these happy stories that weren't true i think that says a lot about what's really going on with him you know mm-hmm. yeah i agree that sam definitely has more more of an intent and more of a purpose to him being happy or lucky all the time like he does it on purpose yeah, and he's on purpose. In order to mask, like, this sadness inside of him. Whereas, you know, like Michelle was saying, Todd Todd just kind of goes with the flow, and he just doesn't really think too much about it. And yeah, like, to- like spoilers for Bojack, Todd also has <laughs> mom stuff going on. Yeah. But it's, I think it's different. I think Todd maybe car- compartmentalizes things better than Sam does, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, maybe the reason why we hadn't heard of Todd's mom was, like, he, she was, like, so far gone from his mind, whereas with Sam, like, she always seems he to be at the forefront. He the breakfast every day to try to find her. Like, yeah. Again, that's, that's one of those moments where I'm like, I cannot believe this show took the plot of the book and just <laughs> made the most sad, compelling reason for Sam to like greetings and have them as much as he does. Like, that literally made me scream when he revealed it. Like, that was the one memory he had of his mother was making him greetings and ham, and that's why he eats it all the time. Like, that is, like, such a good payoff and such an amazing way to take, like, a 12-page book and flesh it out in, in an important, significant way in the plot. I just like that's that's some deep stuff right there, and it's it's really sad, but it's also like wow, I'm very impressed by the writers. Like I legitimately am. I thought that was like a wonderful little detail that like he yeah. tries green eggs and ham everywhere in order to find his mother's green eggs and ham recipe in the hopes that he'll find them. Like that that's like that's beautiful and like. <laughs> I know that's like a tropey thing too, but that's something you don't really expect from something like this. No, we're perfectly willing to believe he's just this random guy who just really likes it. So why wouldn't he eat it? In no, any there's a reason. Shape or form? There's a really important reason. Like I just, yeah, show going the extra mile there. It's really good. I'm into it. So I, I think my, I don't want to say my favorite, but the character I'm most connected to was Guy. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, Guy, like, he is a little bit more on the bland side. He's kind of the straight man to Sam's, like, funny dude. And, you know, that's always an important role in, like, a comedy buddy duo. But, you know, he has a lot of inner depths that we explore, especially in the episode House. And the episode... Yes. Yeah, the episode House. That's the episode where we, like, visit his family and we get to know him and we get to know like his past and how he was this 
great inventor and he was going to go places and he was going to make the world a better place. But then everything quite literally kept blowing up in his face. And, <laughs> and that rhymed. Um, and because of that, he just got really discouraged and disheartened. And he started to give up and give up on his dream and settle for what pays the rent. And I don't know about you guys, but that's something I find really relatable as somebody who, you know, did, like, go to art school and did, like, try to follow my dreams and was kind of trying to figure out where to go with everything once, you know, failure kind of stares you in the face. And that's something that, you know, I can connect to. Um, even though, you know, this is just, like, Green Eggs and Ham as a TV show. Like, that's, like, another, like, beautiful little moment that makes the show human and makes it more, uh, I don't know. I would say have a lot of depth that, honestly, a lot of shows don't have. Uh, like, I don't know. Like, it it takes a lot for shows to ramp up this inner depth that I don't think a lot of them get that Green Eggs and Ham got within its 13 episodes. I agree. Because, like, I will say, when Guy is talking about... Like, when we first meet him, we just know he's grumpy. And it's easy to assume he's just grumpy because that's just who he is. And he just has a bad outlook on life. And he should just have a better, more positive outlook and everything would be fine. But he, he tells Sam in pretty excruciating detail, like, how many times he tried to apply for, like, the, the snurs thing, and how many inventions, like, almost made it and then blew up. And it's, like, he was saying, like, with each one that failed, like, it, it was, like, a little piece of his hope being ripped away. And I totally get that. Like, yeah, if you try and try and try and try and try over and over again and it doesn't work... It, it, it's it's very reasonable that you would lose hope because if you're just doing this by yourself and it keeps not working, there's only so long you can do that. And I think that's honestly very fair and reasonable. And I think it, it's, it's interesting that it takes Sam giving him encouragement and hope back for him to be willing to really try again. Because I think that implies like sometimes you need support to be able to realize like those things when they're very hard to do and they're not working out on your own sometimes like it's not your fault if it doesn't work out by yourself you know what I mean it just like it it felt kind of like a practical way of talking about it um without like demonizing guy for giving up because like yeah and like kind of the same with Michelle it's like she was a very good artist but her priorities changed and her husband died she she was worried about raising her daughter she wanted something stable like I, 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 part of the show did seem to be kind of like, don't quit your dreams, always do the fun job. But it, it, the reason she gave for being a bean counter seemed pretty, like, legit, too. I mean, those are all good reasons, honestly, I think. So, I don't know, it's interesting. You, you can really see where everyone comes from in their decision making, the characters, and I, uh, that's nice. I appreciate it. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that, too. I think the show does have, like, a really big um, interest in friendship mm-hmm. and how, you know, the people who either fall into your life or the people you choose to have in your life or the people you're related to, like your family, like, they can help you if you let them. 
Or, like, if you open your heart up to them. And, you know, like I was saying a little bit earlier, like, that's something I can really appreciate as an adult. And that's something that kids should learn, too. And, like, that's the beauty of what the show is. Like, I feel like we've been praising the show often. Like, I feel like I've been praising the show, like, all night long. Because it, it just hits this wonderful note of lessons that every human can take away. And I think that's just what makes it successful. <clears throat> so let's just run down a little bit more of the characters, I guess. Snurs. <laughs> he's the villain. I don't yeah. have much to say about him. I, I love your description of him that you wrote. Yeah, my uh, my outline is a little <laughs> bit not safe for work. Yeah. Uh, let's just say can he's a say jerk. he's a butt? He's a jerk. He's a butt who has child trauma. Who has childhood trauma. It's a good description. Well, no, like, his pet ran away and he blamed his mother, but then, like, he didn't talk to his mother ever again, if only the prank call her. But it turns out he, like, just (laughs) smothered his pet and she was like, oh, you're, like, pet, just go and then I'll just let him hate me for the rest of his life. Like, that was really big of the mom, I think. I I have thoughts about that actually. What are your I thoughts? I think that was a very bad decision his mom made. And like she she is she's a human being. No one gives you a child manual. You have a baby, you just do your best, what you have. But think about it. If she had told him that the reason the pet ran away is because he was smothering it, maybe he wouldn't like be an adult now, like literally nailing pets to a wall mm. and, and, and smothering them in a much more devastating, like long term consequence kind of way. He never realized the reason his pet left, so there was no there was no like motivation for him to change his style of pet ownership you know what i mean so like i I think it's kind of bad because he still doesn't know that's the real reason and at least kids need to understand when their actions have consequences so that they learn from it he he never got the option to learn from it because his mom wanted him to to protect him from the truth but i think in this case she probably should have been straight with him because, like, look at what happened, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's the whole antithesis of the plot, which I don't think that we've actually described. That's true. He is the main He is the main bad guy. Um, There's also this French mouse. Oh, my God. He's yes. he's from, like, Les Mis, essentially. He's I don't know. Les Mis Rat? Yeah, I, I wrote down French Les Mis Rat. Because... What? singing, and you, like, realize <laughs> that he's the Les Mis Rat, and it's just so funny he's a good singer also by the way i was like wow he's chops well yeah i I was just very taken aback like wait this hasn't been a musical this whole show and all of a sudden we're getting like this broadway number from a mouse that i just met like what's going on here and then the the joke is just that he's singing so high pitched nobody understands him so that was a good a good payoff yeah let's see there was uh the goat i don't know i have no thoughts about the goat Honestly, I wasn't really paying attention too much to those episodes because I didn't really like them. Go- Goat is cool. He he brings a bit of menace to, to that. Like, the um, Snurs is ostensibly the main villain, but, like, he's kind of goofy and stuff. But Goat actually, like, kind of brings some some actual villain chops Goat? to this show. Oh, chops, like lamb chops. Oh! That's <laughs> cheap. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, Goat reminds me of, okay, so you remember the Spongebob movie? 
Yes. Dennis. Dennis. Yeah, Dennis. <laughs> I was going to be like, I don't remember his name. He reminds me of Dennis. I will yeah, say, I bet. When the GOAT titled episode happened, I like freaked out because uh, I viscerally remember in the Green Eggs and Ham book, the panel where they're on some janky, crazy Seuss car and they open up this little thing and a goat head pops out because they're going to be like, oh, will you eat it with the goat? And the, the goat that Dr. Seuss drew was horrifying. And when I was a kid, if I looked at it too long, I would actually have nightmares about the goat. So I was really scared to see the goat in the show. But actually the goat's um, just kind of, I think he's fine. He has cool glasses and the, he gets like cool guitar riffs whenever he shows up. I think he's an improvement on the book. That I mean, I'm looking at the goat panel right now. It doesn't look scary. any different from the other animals, Michelle. It really scared me a lot. I'd look at that goat and be like, oh no, oh, this is, oh, I don't like it. I mean, we all had irrational childhood fears, so it's okay. That, that's true. I mean, a goat could mess you up, though, so I don't know if it was yeah, I guess irrational. In real life, goats can be scary with their creepy little eyes. Their big horns. Yeah. They can kick you. They can kick you, and they can uh, get you at the horns. Yeah. There's probably a, a real word for that. I'm just uh, going to say get you with the horns. Uh, uh, like, for as... you, I think is the term. Oh, that's for yeah. 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 Uh, as a side note, I, I I'm always interested in how kids shows depict bars, and this is <laughs> an interesting situation where like the, the 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 henchman goes to find goat in this random bar, and we get like a whole scene of the, of the goat off screen maiming these these individuals in the bar, and he like drinks some can of something. So that, that was that was a very good introduction to him, and also it's like I I just always find it funny when like we show like big adult bars bars and kids shows and like how they handle that the bars are scary well, so, Bar- are goats, so they just yeah. they belong in the same place bars are where tough adults go to hang out yeah it's true and get beat up sometimes i guess <laughs> uh who else was there there was michael the fox i did not like oh, the fox oh my god was- what that maybe would be the only time i'd be like writers what were you thinking with this fox in love with the chicken. And then they presumably are dating at the end. And he's going through egg withdrawal. This seems like kind of too dangerous. I don't know. He's going to eat all the babies. Hmm. Alex, what do you think? <laughs> I think that the fox was not a very exciting detour from our story. <laughs> uh, didn't really bring much to the table. Uh, the, the only thing I've written down is like part of uh, very, very um, sparingly, they sprinkle in some woke jokes in this uh, in this show. For example, here we have like a fox guard in the hen house. That's progressive. Oh yeah. For, uh, um, like, like I think uh, earlier in the oh, episode yeah, that's kind is of the long. Yeah. Earlier in the episode, there's something like, I'm a strong single Sam. Don't need a guy to take care of us because, like, you know, the guy is I actually kind of like, I shifted. Like, again, I was was like, yeah, you are strong, independent Sam. I'll Uh, say that to myself sometimes. Yeah. Not that specifically, but like, I'm a whatever Sam. And then, anyway, I keep going. And in the in the first episode, the only like real modern joke is uh, um, Sam when he's like taking a selfie with someone. He goes duck face, which is you know like a selfie joke. That's like from that, eight years ago. 
uh, I think do, it's do, fine. Do the kids still not do duck face? Is no, nobody's anymore? done that for like 10 years. Okay, so it's an age joke. <laughs> but, uh, but like, the, just the, they, they, for the most part, they resisted, which I think is good. And so because of that, when they do these like uh, modern jokes, it kind of stands, it sticks out. Yes, I agree. A little yes. bit. I don't know. I think I think yeah. it's I think there's kind of a little bit of a disconnect between trying to modernize something that's so timeless and classic and thrust it into the year that we're in. And that's kinda I think that's yeah. honestly kinda where stuff like the Lorax, the two thousand twelve one fails. Whereas this one, like, uh, I didn't really mind it so much. Yeah, same. It okay. Yeah, it, it sprinkles it in. Like I will say, successful parts of that. A, I think the music selection was pretty good. Like, yeah, there was like, a lot of good st- licensed music. Yeah, like, like you got you got Spirit in the Sky playing when he's hitchhiking in the desert, and that's yeah, like and you got bit, like Crimson you know, the Clover playing yeah, in the cabin. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Good. So I think that that part is good, and also the usage of Key and Michael Key as a meta narrator. Like meta is a thing that is modern. Like that's like every show does that, and I think that that with something as timeless as Dr. Seuss, like someone who's self-aware about their in a Dr. Seuss story, like that's funny. So I think that his contributions for the most part were great. One thing I have accepted to, he does like a Shawshank Redemption impression in the jail episode where like, they crawled out and popped. Like that was that was like a little bit hacky. But the rest of it was was very good. So like I appreciated when, when the narrator showed up. So like meta is also a good thing to inject into something like this. Yeah, the narrator honestly was a, a pretty great character. Even though he's like not really a character, but every time he broke the fourth wall, every time he comment on like, oh, I I didn't rhyme that one. Like it, it worked and wasn't annoying and was actively just delightful the whole time. And that's yeah. a gentle balance to walk sometimes. And I feel like they really pulled it off in this case. Uh, I could have left the narrator in the Oh, Sam, episode. no, he's great. <laughs> I mean, like, he's okay, but... I don't know. That's sort of part of the scrubbed clean aspect of this I was afraid of. You know what I mean? Like, you have somebody like as funny and as great as Keegan Michael Key, and you put him in the narrator for. as the narrator in uh, Green Eggs and Ham, it's like, well, what are you going to do with that? And I, it, he was okay. I mean, it was fine, but I didn't actively like it. You know I what I mean? It. I love <laughs> Keegan Michael Key. I was like, right. oh my god, he's in the thing! I, like, he's love, really love funny, but like. I didn't like him as a narrator, and I, I mean, I would have preferred this didn't have narration, but you can't have the rhyme without the narration. Mm-hmm. Or you're yeah. just gonna make everybody rhyme all the time? You can't do that. Except right now. Well, that's I just. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe being a narrator is your true calling. Maybe that's it. I do not have the voice for that. I, I cannot speak well. I have a really. No. Anyway. Uh, last but not least, I guess, on the characters that matter, mostly, uh, Mr. Jenkins, the Triggeraff. He is the main point of the show happening. I don't have much to say about him. <laughs> He's basically Kevin from Up. Yeah! Oh, yeah! 
Yeah, he is. He becomes like, that's like basically um... his purpose. You know, the two main characters have to protect exotic animal who clucks a lot. Like you oh, know, God, that's, I haven't seen I... Up in such a long time. I completely forgot who that was. Yeah, I thought you were talking yeah, about the little that... boy for a second. <laughs> oh no. no. Sam is Russell, and Guy is the old guy whose name I forget. Oh, yeah. Guy's the old guy. Yeah, Guy's the old guy. But so this is all basically up as a TV show. Wow. You you cracked it, Alex. This is not a hot take, but this is a million times better than up. Mm. I mean, okay, yeah, up. up, Up was honestly only really like heart wrenching, at least. At the the, first five minutes? Yeah, at least at the time. At least at the time I watched it, it was only the first five minutes, and I didn't care about the rest of it. Well, let's see. But I think because this show stretches it out, because that movie also does the thing of the old guy making a connection with with the kid realizing that he needs to let people into his life and <sighs> in the process of protecting this animal. Though. It's the same plot. I like Anthony this better than that. guy's age. He just, he's so optimistic, he doesn't have as many frown wrinkles. That's all. I'm pretty sure Sam's an adult. Yeah, Sam is like 20. He's not like Eby's age, that's for sure. Yeah. I like Sam and Eby, our friends. That's cool. Yeah, I know. It's really cute. They're, they vibe on a very similar level, which is adorable. They do. But uh, the chicken wrap, I guess we should actually talk about the plot like an hour into this podcast, He's right? Do, do we, though? I don't think the plot is that important to this I mean, show, that's why I'm getting into it an hour after we started. <laughs> I mean, that, that's honestly the kind of show or movie or whatever that I like where the theming and like the interpersonal relationship part takes precedent over the plot (laughs) like the plot could be like whatever but i i just i love me some learning about what it is to be human you know anyway uh so the plot um hold on so sam not sam ninja sam he takes uh this trigger app which is a very rare and dangerous supposedly animal from the zoo, under the uh, presumption that he is going to return it to his natural habitat. But then him and Guy meet, not like on purpose, they're just in a diner together and they have the same suitcase and they accidentally switch and then shenanigans happen. So Guy ends up with the chicken raft because that was in Sam's suitcase for some reason. And then he tries to give him back, and then they're, like, going on, like, a chase with the bad guys, because they're trying to get the chicken raff. And there's just a lot of twists and turns, and it's it's basically a road trip. Yeah. Yeah. It's but yeah, at the end of the day, the chicken raff goes back to its mom on chicken raff island, and everybody's happy. Well, I think the biggest piece of the plot is when the reveal happens that Sam was actually working for Snurs initially. Naturally. Yeah. And like that that part is a big piece of story as well as like turning your head on in terms of like what you thought about this character versus oh I have to take in this new information all of a sudden. So the point where like even the narrator comments like, whoa, did that happen? <laughs> like he's voicing out the audience's concerns there. So like uh, I, that that that's a that's a pretty big turning point in the show. It is. Sam as the anti villain? I don't know. I don't know. Sam is shown to be like what in the eleventh or twelfth episode. He's 12th shown 11th, to be yeah. more shady than originally uh 
we thought. And he actually isn't like a wildlife protection agent. He's working to get the trigger off to Snurs, who wants it for its gala. And, like, it's just... I mean, like, it's... I don't want to say it's inconsequential. I think, you know, people do need these plots to, like, hold on to something. And obviously you're not going to have, like, a 13-episode adaptation of Green Eggs and Ham without a plot. I think that's just ridiculous to expect that you don't have one. But it just... It didn't really matter to me. Honestly, what did you guys think of it, Michelle? The double, the double cross didn't matter to you. I mean, the double cross, like I liked it, and like it, it did, like keep me like, oh, like I gasped, I was surprised, but like the plot on the whole. Uh, I mean, what do you mean by the plot on the whole, though? I mean, like, like how, how much the plot? I don't know. Did you like it? Did you like the trigger raft? Did you like? Oh, I don't know. Animal I... protection, whatever. <laughs> I like animal protection in general. <laughs> no, I'm um, against it personally. <laughs> oh my god. I think Alex. I mean, the chicken is fine. He doesn't do a lot, but he's perfectly adequate as a background part of the story, which is very much what he is, um, which I think is fine. I, I mean, the twist I think is pretty important. I do think it, for Guy at least. <laughs> Because the lead up to that, like an episode or so before, we have Sam being real about his parents and the fact that he you know, grew up in an orphanage. He didn't really know his mom. He didn't have a semblance of normal childhood. He's been actively lying about that the whole show. So to to then, like two episodes later, learn that he was also lying about the Chikarath and being like a a, a wildlife protection guy. I think that kind of compounds into the the realization that Sam is not just this happy-go-lucky random person who like doesn't understand how the world works. He he may in fact be the opposite of that, and that's kind of scary to think about for Guy because it's like, well, I don't even know who this person is. Like, if he's this good at lying and this good at faking it till he makes it, like, how will I ever know who he really is? And that's like, that's legit. Like, I understand it. So I think, like, I, I appreciate Sam for having that kind of complexity to him because he could have just been happy for no reason. He wouldn't have been nearly as interesting. But there are a lot of compelling reasons for why he presents and acts the way he does all the time. I think that's really good. But, yeah, the Chigar out stuff's just, like, a means to an end. But look at all the character shenanigans he got out of it. I mean, the bad guys are literally, like, one of the best parts of the whole show. And they would not have to do anything if not for the Chikarath. So it, it's worth something, I guess. Why not? Yeah, why not? I have, like, maybe two to three more things that are kind of dumb that I want to bring up. Uh, so I noticed that the show has an issue with cantaloupe. Yes. And I was wondering, and we talked about Bojack a little bit earlier... <laughs> Um, does the crew have an issue with Bojack hating Honeydew? And so it's their mission to take down cantaloupe as a melon as a part of a fruit salad? Like, what is that about? Well, see, here's my thing. I just think that in general, melons are stupid. No! It's pick... a hot take and a cold food, Pe- Alex. Yeah, people, I mean, watermelon is fine, but like all like the other different kinds of melons, like you can you can keep those. And I think that just each person 
has a specific aversion, uh, has an aversion to a specific type of melon. So these people were like, yeah, cantaloupe is gross. Like, and, uh, and Bojack is like, yeah, honeydew is gross. But like, we all have a melon that we think is gross in some And capacity. that's honeydew. And yeah, for you, it might be honeydew, right? So like, we, we, we but in the end, I think it is a, a known idea that melons are not a popular fruit. And maybe there's a specific type of melon that requires your hatred. Wow. What's your least favorite melon? Uh, I mean, I, I I don't like cantaloupe more than I don't. I, I can I can stand honeydew. I don't really like it. Cantaloupe, I, I don't like at all. So, like, I, I'm, I'm on the side to get the cantaloupe is worse. Wow. I'm sorry, Alex, but you're wrong. Honey. Yeah, you you're are wrong. so much worse. Like, think about the, the texture of a stiff, terrible honeydew in your mouth versus, like, a slightly pliable cantaloupe. One is clearly slightly better, and it is the cantaloupe. But I feel like the honeydew is slightly sweeter, and that, like, helps balance it out. But the, I think the cantaloupe's, like, a little juicier, too, though. So isn't yeah. that also tip the scales? Uh, yeah. <laughs> They're both See, it's, garbage. Like, it's, it's, so it's picking your poison here. <laughs> yeah, it is picking your poison. I, d- I do actually legitimately enjoy cantaloupe, so. Okay. I will eat <laughs> but it do you like honeydew? No, I don't. Well, see, there you go. <laughs> well, there's at least one melon that you don't like. I mean, yeah. yeah but, like, just because I don't like it doesn't mean that it doesn't have worth as a food. Sure. <laughs> oh, I was going to do a hot take on cold cold foods for uh, green eggs and ham. Cause, and so, okay. Show, have but... you had green eggs and ham? All right. So I've had eggs and ham. Um, okay. I'm sure when I was a child, there would be, like, Dr. Seuss days. I think his birthday is March 1st. And I remember in elementary school that being, like, a big deal and stuff. And I I feel like, you know, we must have, like, had, like, food, dyed green eggs and ham at one point, And it was, like, a thing. Um, I do like eggs. I don't like them as much as I used to. But I do like them. Ham, I will pretty much only eat with eggs. So I do like green eggs and ham. Okay, that's interesting. Um, I, I will say, um, it recently I hop for Christmas has been doing those green pancakes for I like the it. Grinch and stuff. Yeah, the Grinch so, like, pancakes. I, yeah, so like, I wonder if they would do, if they would do a green eggs and ham oh, campaign. That feels like some that that feels like untouched potential for oh them. Oh my god! I mean, but, they serve uh, eggs and ham. Exactly. Exactly. Just make it green. So, I will say that eggs are great. I eat them for breakfast maybe three or four times a week. Damn, I, I will say I, I I prefer over easy and scramble to sunny side up. Like I don't like eating the yolk by itself like that. That I, I need it to be mixed in. Like, I, I can't eat it on its own. So like it's fine if you like because the only type of eggs they represent in the show are sunny side up. And so it's like there are other ways to make eggs, people. I've but, become um, a fan of sunny side up, honestly. Okay, fine. You do you, but uh, I'll, like I'll say oh, there, there, there's a, there's a case to be made for over easy and scrambled eggs. So I mean, I do the, 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 I mean, the, scrambled eggs is the like the only eggs I've like eaten most of my life, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah. So eggs are good. Ham is good. Uh, ham is not not necessarily my go-to with eggs. Like I would prefer like a corned beef hash or maybe like a, a, um 
the pota- uh, potatoes. But like uh, ha- ham is good if you're doing like an omelet. Like if you're put if you're mixing the ham and the eggs together, yeah. that works. But like What's you don't have ham separate there? from the eggs. Uh, again, like it just put like a slab of ham next to the eggs. It's like this is not how this is just not a whole ham. Breakfast. A whole but, ham, yeah. But, I mean, that's I mean, whatever. Like they have green eggs and ham. It's just a whole ham and like two eggs. Like that's yeah. Like, that's not a good that's ratio, not, honestly. That's not, that's how that works. Gotta stuff up all those eggs with a whole ham. Yeah, Michelle yeah. hates it. I also hate ham. This is very... Wow. This is not my kind of meal. I wow. mean, this is like... I think I, I mentioned this on the Discord. Like, green eggs and ham is my favorite bug because the eggs and ham were green. But I hated it so much, and I still do. So it was like... I had to divorce the color from the food. And I, I, I thought I didn't have nitpicks at the show, but like... <laughs> The only other nitpick is honestly like all the viscerally just gross, like eggs drooping everywhere, and the eating of eggs. And Guy just looks so grossed out, and I totally relate to Guy in those moments because eggs are just so gross. And there's just a lot of eggs happening on the screen a lot. I mean, eggs episodes. are pretty gross. It's hard if you think about it. They I mean, like they gross. come out of chickens and like. Well, no. Look, the key is don't watch other people eating. Like that. That in general is. <laughs> oh my god! Well, it's hard to not do that on a show called Green Eggs and Ham. Especially when he was tripping out in the desert, like all those gloopy eggs just like falling from the sky. Oh, yeah. I was like, this is my version of hell. Is this the egg desert? <laughs> This is hell for me. That, that was a very Rango adjacent scene, just like hallucinating oh, roads God. curving Please in the deserts. <laughs> Can we not? We're reeling it back. All right. L- last thing that is more slightly on topic, I guess. Uh, it's my podcast. I can do what I want. Um. <clears throat> so there was a little hook for season two. How do we feel about that? Should this get another season? Yes. What do we want as people, Michelle? I want I want them to go find his mother together because they're best friends and, and Sam needs the emotional support the guy can give him and I hope it brings them closer together and then I hope they can be together forever. But that is a pipe dream. I think in general just like I think this show would continue to be very funny, very well animated, and have a lot of good, wild hijinks, and I'm all for that. So, like, regardless of what they do with the plot, I think I trust them to do a good job. So, yeah, I think they deserve a second season if they want it. That's true. I hope that they have good views. Uh, Alex, season two, is that something you would want? Um, I, I feel like they squeezed about as much potential out of this um property as they could. Like I, I could see this perfectly working as like an hour long Christmas special. Like it's like, oh, let's go meet your mom, bring the family together. Like that 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 sort of thing feels doable. A whole season, I don't know, but like the show was good enough that like if it happens i'll still have some faith that it might work out well but i i, I don't see it because I mean, the mom thing doesn't come until like two-thirds of the way through the show really so it's not like it was that strong of a thread throughout the entire thing so uh, um yeah so it can happen but like i feel like it's more material for like a couple a couple of episodes as opposed to a full season yeah, that's true. I think that um I don't know, like I I'm I feel invested 
Yeah, and I'm invested too. What's like going on with Sam? And like, is he gonna find his mom? I also feel invested in like Guy and like, mm-hmm. what's going on with him? I feel less invested in like Michelle and Evie because I feel like their plot kind of came to a satisfactory end. And like, yeah. really, the only other thing that they would have to do is maybe like pal around with Guy because that's like a relationship that's happening, I guess. Uh, but Leia, I would be like, whether it be a special or another season, like I would be totally into more Green Eggs and Ham. It was a pleasant surprise. And I just, I just want to know what happens. Like, is Sam going to be happy and he's going to find his mom? And is it going to be like, is she, like, someone that he, he wants to be around? Did she just abandon him? What happened? I want to know. I, I should probably know. look up. Like, there, there has to be fanfic for this by now, right? <laughs> job, there better be Guy Sam stuff. Because oh, that is number be. one priority. Right. Michelle, if there isn't, you should write some. <laughs> I, I was thinking I could like I. <laughs> this is so terrible. When I when I was watching it like about halfway through, I was like, "Yo, this show makes it really easy to make like music video yeah, do it. edit. <laughs> it, it would be insanely easy to do make it. one. That's what blew me away. I'm like, if it's that easy, you gotta think they thought about this. Like the people who made it have got to thought about it. Well, that that's your purpose in life now to make. Oh, Sam guy. If I ever, if I ever find time and high res footage, I will yeah. see. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on the final thoughts and end this journey that we have taken. Alex, do you have anything else to say about Green Eggs and Ham? Uh, at the end, he goes to a sad diner that's called Justin's Diner, but the the letters <laughs> are flashed out in a way that just spells "just die." Oh yeah, I and forgot. Was, <laughs> it's uh, so uh, much. So that was uh, the, the the peak of relatability. Um, so that was good. Um, other random notes I have here. There's like a cutaway scene where the car is going to the lake. We just cut to this fish society that's underwater. And the car just like crushes their house. And that was really sad. And it, it, they don't do cutaway jokes often in this show. But that was one that they decided to do. Uh, let's hear anything else here. Um, th- that moment where, like, the mom decides to, like, draw a picture of the pet for her daughter was kind of sweet. Um, just them in, like, a, a cozy bed and breakfast. There's a lot of sweet moments in this show, and I think overall, it's a sweet show. It's very wholesome. Um, as, as we talked about, it gets into different uh, layers of, of relationships in terms of, uh, parent-child relationships, uh, people you just met, relationships, uh, relationships with your family, relationships with your goals and dreams. So it's got a little something for everybody. I think that it I mean, it's not exactly like going to blow you away or anything, but it definitely feels like one of those uh, cozy shows that, uh, again, like they, they lull you. They make you feel 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 comfy. Um, yeah, so I, I would definitely re- recommend it as a show that you should watch if you want to have some fun. And not think too hard about lore and stuff like stuff like that. You just want to care about about characters and their well beings. This is this is a good show for that. Yeah. Michelle, do you have any final thoughts? I I will say even though we kind of w- weren't super fans of how Guy and Michelle got together, I, I wanna thank and appreciate the show for having Michelle's romance not be like the sole defining thing about her in the show. She had a bunch of her own stuff going on with her relationship with um, EB 
and stuff with the counting beans and being an artist and trying to, you know, thinking she knew what was best for her daughter, but being open to changing when she realizes her daughter isn't a, a fan of the strictness and the, you know, that like not painting her as like a mean, an understanding mom. Like she's a very like honest, pretty open relationship with her daughter I feel like that's, like, way more the through line of the season for her than any of the romantic stuff with Guy. And that was a decision someone made, and I think that was a really good decision. So I'm just, I'm really glad about that. Yeah, thumbs up. Uh, there were a lot of good jokes that we didn't touch upon. There <laughs> were a lot of good jokes. I just, like, like, like the show is surprisingly funny. Um... My favorites were always, like, the job descriptions of everything. So, like, a bean counter, or a pencil pusher, or a paint washer, or an elbow greaser. Like, I love that kind of stuff. It was, like, delightful. Uh, there was, like, a joke about male feminism, which I thought was funny. Yeah, was Like, it was when they were in the foxhole with uh, Michael, and Guy was like, well, as a male feminist myself. <laughs> I thought that was great. Uh... Let's see, uh, Adam Devine voiced Sam I Am, and that's not really remarkable other than I kept thinking it was Adam Conover, because it that sounds- a different ex- Adam. It sounds exactly like- <laughs> Do all Adams sound the same? <laughs> no, but apparently Adam Devine and Adam Conover do. I haven't watched too much with Adam Devine in it. He's in, like, Pitch Perfect, right? Yeah, he's he. Things, yeah. He voices Pizza Steve in that one episode of Steven Universe. Oh, he's <laughs> okay, Pizza well. Steve, Yeah. That, I mean, you mean Uncle Grandpa, but whatever. Uh, mm. but yeah, <laughs> I can... Oh no! Got it wrong! <laughs> I mean, that's where it was from! Yes, but he was, but he was all... The Batman movie. I'm not sure who yet, but he was somebody. I don't know. Somebody. I mean, he, he's an actor. He's like a pretty big name. I just thought that he sounded just like Adam Conover, and it was kind of distracting for me. Uh, I don't, I don't really feel like going through all the other voices, but yeah, Michael Douglas thought... was there... Yeah, Diane Keaton is a big get. Alana Glazer was E.B. Wasn't Eddie Izzard um, Snurs? Yeah, I love it! He's such a particular voice, but I thought it worked really well for Snurs. Billy Eichner was in it for a second as Mr. Bigman, or Bigman, who was the bad guy boss. Oh, yeah. Tracy Morgan, Keegan Wilkerke, obviously. Yada, yada. A lot of big names. Presumably... Oh, David Diggs was the mouse. I didn't notice. Thanks oh! Yeah. That's why he sounded so good. Yeah, he sounded really good. Like, <laughs> that Lay Miss, the Lay Miss thing with the mouse I thought was pretty phenomenal. And also the like usual suspects gag when... Um, what's his face? Um, McWinkle drops the cup from multiple angles. He's like piecing the clues together like, oh... Well, all these eggs we've been seeing everywhere. Oh, it's this guy. I know how to track him now. It's just, it's played so serious and it's just hysterical. There's some really good, like, referential jokes to other pop culture in this that are just executed very well. Yeah. So at the end of the day, Green Eggs and Ham, recommended. Yes, definitely show. recommended. Yeah, and if it took you an hour to decide, I'm sorry about that. But <laughs> <laughs> Um, now to my least favorite part, and I didn't prepare, like, a rhyming scheme for this part, so forgive me. I'm sorry, everybody. Okay. You can find out all the info on this podcast at OverlyAnimated.com. You can join us on Discord, the text chat about animation, at OverlyAnimated.com slash Discord. 
And you can support us via Patreon at patreon.com slash overlyanimated. Thanks to all of our current patrons, especially the patron of the podcast, Joanna, a.k.a. Crispy. And thanks always to our patron executive producers, Ryan, Steve, Alex, Beatrice, Hugh, Michael, and Needle. Uh, November has been a very busy month, and there is so much going on. There's so much to happen in December. Steven Universe is coming back. So expect podcasts for that in the future. Uh, we cover Rick and Morty. We've been doing She-Ra. Been doing Ruby. Other stuff. There's other stuff happening, right, guys? There's stuff in January. Well, that's next year. Yeah, that's true. But next year is now let oh, just a month away. Exactly. Don't, don't remind me. Yeah, the decade's almost over. Um, oh, I, I guess we can say be on the lookout for. Uh, special OVAs stuff that yeah. may or may not be happening because that's supposed to happen in December, right? Yeah, yes. who, who, who's best supporting character here? Do we agree it's uh, it's uh, um, one of the bad guys? Oh, can yeah. it be What's-Her-Face? Yeah. Yeah, what, What's-Her-Face? Well, nominate What's-Her-Face. Okay, can we actually nominate from this? Is it too- yeah. Of course we can't. We can do anything. All right, we'll, we'll probably 2019. Should. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, that's it. We do a lot of things that are totally animated, so... Check it out. Check it out. Yeah. So, anyway, thanks for listening, guys. It's been fun. Time to say goodbye, everyone! Bye! Bye! Bye!